So good to see everybody here this morning. I want to welcome everyone who's here today. I want to welcome those of you. Uh oh. I want to welcome those of you who are tuning in online as well, whether you're tuning in from right here in our community or whether you're tuning in from another state, maybe even across the world. We're just so glad that you're worshiping with us today. I was handed one announcement before I got up to speak, and this is from Jenny Respicio. She has a friend by the name of Anastasia, is that right? Anastasia, and she's in the hospital right now. She's, under, she's undergoing a lot of physical and emotional uh, difficulties, and she just asks that we pray for healing for her and also pray for her family as she goes through this. So let's pray together. Father, we just come before you, and we just want to lift up to you, Anastasia. And Father, um, I don't know all the details of what she's going through physically, Father, but we just pray that you would give her healing. We also pray that you would be with her family as they go through this with her. And it may be right now that they're separated from each other because of all that's going on with the pandemic. And so, Father, we're just asking for your presence to be with them, give them comfort and peace. And, and again, healing to Anastasia as well. Help her to know that you're there, Father. We also just pray that you'll be with this message today. We pray that it will bless our lives in some way that will help us to be more like you. And We pray this prayer in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, if you are just tuning in, if you're visiting with us today for the first time, as you can see, we've been in a series that's been all about Jesus. Why? Because... Jesus is the answer for the world today. I believe that with all my heart. Even with everything that's going on, the pandemic, um, just all kinds of stuff going on in our country, I truly believe that Jesus is the answer. And so we've been talking about that as we've gone through this series. And if you've missed any of these lessons, you can go to our webpage, whcentral.church, and you can go back and watch any of the lessons that you may have missed. Or, if you're a podcaster, we are now, and this is, this is brand new, you can go to the podcap, uh, podcast app on your phone, look up the Central Church of Christ, look for our logo, and you can listen to all our lessons on the podcast as well. You listen as you're driving down the road if you want to go back and listen to some of these lessons. But today we're going to continue our thoughts and we'll probably conclude next week this series. But look at 1 John chapter 2 today, verse 6. Before we conclude this lesson or this series, I think there's a couple of more things we need to talk about as we talk about Jesus. Look at verse 6. Notice what John writes, Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as who? Say it out loud, church. As Jesus did. In other words, what John is saying is if you're going to claim to be a Christian, if you're going to claim to be a disciple, a follower of Christ, if you are going to claim that you walk with Jesus, he says, then you have got to live like Jesus. Okay, and, and that's very important in our culture today because I think so oftentimes in our culture we're tempted to call ourselves a believer, a Christian, a disciple, a follower, or whatever, but yet we're tempted to live like the rest of the world. 
But John is calling us out of that. He's calling us to walk, to live as Jesus did. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that we're always going to get everything right. But listen to me this morning. What it does mean is that there are not going to be areas of our life that are completely out of alignment with what Jesus teaches and how Jesus lived. This week, I was just thinking to myself, okay, is there any area of my life that doesn't line up with the life of Jesus? I mean, is there something that He did that I'm not doing? Is there something that I'm doing that Jesus stayed away from? And let me tell you, it can be very convicting, but that's what we're called to. As His followers, we are to walk, we are to live as Jesus did. Now the question is, how do we do that? Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you like to walk? How many walkers, how many hikers do we have? Okay. Well, for those of you who go hiking or walking at like a state park, you've probably noticed that before you get onto the trails, normally what you will see is a sign and it will have some warnings or some tips or some instructions on how you can have a safe walk or a safe hike. For example, in Alaska, at one of the parks, they have a, a list like this, and at one point, the list make, makes reference to bears and how to be alert or to stay alert for wild bears. And this is, this is what the sign read. We advise that hikers wear, wear noisy little bells on their clothing so as not to stumble onto a bear and startle them. Also carry pepper spray in case of an encounter with the bear. Then it goes on to say, it's also a good idea to watch out for fresh signs of bear activity. Trail walkers should learn the difference between a black bear and grizzly bear droppings. Black bear droppings are smaller and contain a lot of berries and squirrel fur. Grizzly bear droppings have little bells in it and smell like pepper. <laughs> now, if some of you don't get that, you can go back and listen to the podcast or the sermon and maybe you'll, you'll put two and two together. But anyway, I want to share that with you this morning because I want to do something similar. I, I want to give you some tips from 1 John that I really believe can help us as we walk with and like Jesus. And, and here's number one. And this may be the most important thing that we say all day. Never walk alone. In this walk with Jesus, Never walk alone. Listen, the Christian life is not a journey that we need to make by ourselves. I know so oftentimes, I think people are tempted to think, well, it's just a walk. It's, it's, it's just a hike. It's, it's just a journey. I mean, what could go wrong? Well, there's all kinds of things that could go wrong as we try and navigate this life. And so, as you look at 1 John, there is this reoccurring theme throughout the book. One of the things that John continually points to is fellowship. 
Fellowship is so important, and he, he mentions it in the first few verses. It's so important, he mentions it at least four times. He mentions it twice in verse 3, then he mentions it again in verse 6, and in verse 7. And look at what he says. 1 John chapter 1, verses 3-4. through 4, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have what? Say it out loud, church. Fellowship with who? With us. And he says, and our what? Say it again. Fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now, I don't know how many of you grew up going to church, but if you did, you've probably heard this word fellowship before. But here's the problem. I I think it's a word that oftentimes gets watered down. And what I mean by that is we're tempted to underestimate the significance and the depth of this word. For example, maybe we are crossing the parking lot on the way to our our car and we see someone and we kind of wave at them. Or, Or maybe we come into the building and we see someone that we know and we say, hello, how are you? And then we walk out of here going, well, man, that was some really good fellowshipping. Or maybe we go into the fellowship hall and we sit down and we eat a meal. Boy, that was some really good fellowshipping. But actually, that word is a lot more significant than that. It comes from the Greek word koinonia, and it's the idea of sharing something significant in common. Something so significant, in fact, that we can all come together despite all of our differences. And let me tell you, there are many. There is probably no one in here who thinks alike or does everything alike. We are all so very different, but yet we come together as a family, as a church. I know several years ago, I invited someone to come to church with me, and they shrugged it off and said, no, I don't go to church. Church is too much like a a country club or or just a, a social organization, and that's not true. The church is family. God's family. Where we share Jesus in common. You've heard me mention this before. We're all so different. We have different styles of music that we like. We like different football teams. We're different in so many areas. But if I were to ask, how many of you love Jesus? Raise your hand. Look around. We share Jesus in common as a family. And yet there are those who do not think that it's necessary to be a part of God's family. And so you'll hear them say things like, well, you know, hey, I'm I'm fine. I do church at home. Or I do church out in the woods. I don't need a church family. But listen to me this morning. Inevitably, what we see is somewhere along the path in our walk with Jesus, we're going to struggle, right? I mean, every single one of us spiritually are going to have times where we're going to trip and we're going to fall and we're going to twist an ankle spiritually and suddenly if we're not a part of a church family, 
probably we find ourselves very alone. I love what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 10. I think he hit it. Right on the head, he said, Two people are better off than one, for they help each other succeed. Jesus knew what he did. He, he knew exactly what he was doing by establishing the church, by, by putting us all together. He says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and, and help. But look at what he says at the end. But someone who falls, what? Said out loud, church. Alone is in what? Real trouble. You ever had an accident when you were alone? And it's like, man, what in the world do I do? I need some help. I, I don't have anyone to, to help me. I know I've heard people say from our congregation here, man, I don't know what I would, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have my church family. If they hadn't have been there to take me to the doctor, if they hadn't have been there to take me meals, if, if they hadn't have been there to help me walk as, as I was trying to recover from that procedure. I know you guys have heard me say this countless times, and I'm going to continue to say it and emphasize it over and over and over again until you believe it. And that is, we need each other. We really do. We, we need each other. And you'll hear people today say, well, no, I need Jesus. I don't need the church. And yes, you need Jesus. But we also need each other. And it's usually the people who have been burned, who have had a bad experience with church that have decided, they've made the decision, you know what, I'm just going to walk away. In fact, there have been times when I have invited people to church. I remember when I lived in Alabama and I was picking up a pizza and I invited the lady uh, who checked me out at the, the cash register. I invited her to church and she, she laughed and she said, oh no, I don't go to church. She said, there's too many hypocrites. Yes, the church is always going to be imperfect because it's made up of imperfect people. But here's the deal. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. And He will always be perfect. And so we come together because there's something that happens when we surround ourselves with other Christians. Right? I mean, even Jesus acknowledged this in Matthew 18, verse 20. He says, for where two or three are white church, are gathered together as my what? As my followers, He says, I'm there among them. And we don't, we don't understand exactly what all that means, but Jesus says, when you're together, I'm with you. And so we make this journey together. John writes something interesting. If you go back to verse 3, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, he says, I'm writing this so that you may have fellowship with us. And then he concludes that thought by saying in verse 4, to make our joy complete. In other words, when we walk with Jesus alone, we have joy. Okay, I, there's, there's no doubt in that. When we walk with Jesus, when we follow Jesus, we have joy. But here's the deal. Our joy is complete when we follow Jesus together. That's what we were made for. 
Fred Craddock, who was a preacher several years ago, talks about, talked about his father, who was not a Christian, and he never wanted to have anything to do with the church. In fact, people would come and they would talk to him about the church, and he would always say, you know, you just want another name for your membership, you just want another dollar for your collection plate, that's all you want. But then later on in life, he said his father started to have physical health problems. In fact, he had to have a severe, a very serious surgery where they had to take out his throat and he couldn't talk and he wasted down to some 74 pounds. But the congregation, Fred's congregation, showed up. Even though he wasn't a part of their congregation, they showed up with flowers food, and they just sat and visited with him and prayed with him. Well, Craddock talked about the last conversation he would have with his father. He said, Dad was reading some of the cards from some of the folks from church, and he grabbed a piece of paper and a pen, and he wrote Shakespeare's Hamlet, or at least a phrase from Shakespeare's Hamlet on the piece of paper. In this harsh world, draw yourself in pain to tell my story. And he handed it to his son. And his son read it and he said, Dad, he said, what's your story? And his dad took back the pen and the paper and this is what he wrote on the paper. He wrote, I was wrong about the church. Don't wait till the difficulties and the struggles of this life come before you realize you need help. We were never meant to walk alone. If you go all the way back to creation, God is creating the universe and, and even man. He, he looks back over and He says, this is good and this is good and this is good and this is good, but He comes to man, He comes to Adam, and He says, it's not good for man to be alone. And so He created and so we were made for koinonia. We, we need each other as we try and walk like Christ and with Christ. But here's tip number two. Always walk in the light. And this is a very important point. This is one of the things that, that I emphasize within my own family. I, I don't like for my family to go out at night without me. And some of you say, well, well, why? And the answer is very simple. The light provides safety, right? And, and so we look at what John says in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7. through 7, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, we walk. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Have you ever noticed how people are prone to temptation at midnight? as opposed to noon during the day. Isn't that interesting? I mean, policemen will tell you that more crimes are committed at night than they are during the day. 
Also think about nightclubs. Why aren't nightclubs lit up like gas stations? Why, why is it a little bit darker? Because people feel like they won't be seen. They feel like things will be covered up in the darkness. And so there's a maze of destructive decisions that people make when they're walking in darkness as opposed to when they're walking in the light. We see this in Luke chapter 22. Verses 52 through 54, Jesus makes reference to this. And Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that it, you have come with swords and clubs? He says, Every what, church? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when what? When darkness reigns, then seizing him, they led him away. Alcoholics Anonymous, they have a saying, you are only as sick as your secrets. And what we need to understand is secrets thrive and germinate in darkness. Some of you may say, well, how, how can I move away from darkness? How can I stay away from darkness? Well, that's what this whole series is about, Jesus. As we draw close to Jesus, remember, He is light. He is the light. And as we draw closer to Him and walk with Him and live with Him, we move further and further away from darkness. But also, I want to go back to the point I made just a few moments ago about traveling alone. We, we have brothers and sisters in Christ, and this is so important for the very fact of when we are walking in darkness or we're getting close to darkness, we have our spiritual family who comes alongside us and says, no, over here's the light. Stay away from that. Don't go towards that. Continue to walk with Jesus. We, we need those people in our lives. We need Jesus and we need each other. But let me add to that. We need to make sure that we use the map. And I'm making reference to the Bible, God's Word. We travel together and the Bible is our map, it's our guide, it's our authority. We're not going to go with our emotions or our feelings or our personal opinions, but we're going to continually go back to the map, to God's Word, so that we can navigate this life in a way that Jesus would. I know this past week our family was called by one of our neighbors and she asked us if we would go out with her on her boat because she wanted to go out. Her husband died um, a while back and she had his ashes and she wanted to sprinkle it over Lake Eloise. So our family went out with her on Friday afternoon, but as we left the dock, she said, oh no, I forgot the map. Now, we were on Lake May, which is pretty far from Lake Eloise. 
And you've got all these channels that connect from lake to lake to lake. And, and, and she had this map that kind of guided us which way that we were supposed to go. And so for a while, it was just like, I mean, we're just kind of scrambling. We're out there. Julie's getting out her phone. She's trying to use her GPS so that we could navigate through these lakes so that we could get to Lake Eloise. I'm going to tell you, without our map, without the Word of God, it would be really hard to navigate this life. To do life like Jesus. See, we're not just going to follow a well-worn path. Because everyone has gone in that direction. We're going to get into the Word because God's Word also keeps us out of the darkness. But as Christians, we, we've got to commit to that. We've got to, to make sure that God's Word is our compass. And, and that's what John is trying to get across to these new Christians that he's writing to some 14 times he uses these words. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know Him if we watch, church, if we obey His commandments. In chapter 3, verse 24, those who obey His commandments live in Him and He in them. And He does this over and over again in emphasizing that the Word of God is our guide. It's our, it's our map that we are to, to listen to it and, and live it out in our lives. And there may be some of you here this morning who are thinking, well, well, Slate, I hear what you're saying. But I mean, isn't the Bible just like any other book? I mean, is it really trustworthy? How can we know that it's really from God and that He's leading us and guiding us through His Word? Well, let me just give you a few things to consider, a few things to, to think about. Okay, and, and you can make this decision on your own. Think about this. The Bible's profound moral influence on our society is absolutely amazing, right? Wouldn't you agree? I mean, people get into the Word of God and they make better choices. Isn't that crazy? People get into the Word of God and as they begin to live it out, their lives are changed. I've witnessed this. It's, it's absolutely amazing. But also, think about this. The Bible's perpetual relevance. You realize that portions of the Bible were written over 3,500 years ago? And yet we still go to the Bible on how to have a successful marriage, how to raise our kids successfully, how to handle our finances, how to handle our sexuality, how to have a relationship with other people. It's thousands of years old, and yet it's still relevant, making an impact in our culture and the world. But then also think about this, all the fulfilled prophecy in the Bible. And we don't have time to go through all the, the prophecies in the Bible, but you have all these predictions that actually came true hundreds, thousands of years later. For example, you look at Jesus Himself. The birth of Jesus, the manner in which he, he would die was all predicted hundreds of years before He ever came on the scene. 
But then this, was, this is the one that really does it for me. The Bible's amazing narrative unity. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible was written in different languages on different continents by over 40 different writers over a time span of 1,500 years. And it all made sense. I mean, imagine that. Imagine Julie is, is in Canada and, and I'm here in Florida and, and you've got Tracy and she's, she's uh, in Europe somewhere and, and we're all writing and then it all comes together and tells one story. What, what are the odds of that happening? It's a miracle. And yet, as you begin at the beginning of the Bible and you read all the way through to the end of the Bible, what you will see is one story. Listen to me. I believe that if you will read the Bible with an open heart, you will see that it is truly trustworthy. And that if you will live by it, it will bless your life i got to move, okay? Uh, we're, we're almost done. Also, here's tip uh, number three or four. Be prepared for difficult terrain. Now, I know that there are people who think to themselves, hey, when I become a Christian, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be perfect. And that's just not the case. In fact, you look at what John wrote in First uh, John chapter 2, verse 14, he really zeroes in on the men here, but he talks to fathers and young men who have what? Who have overcome the evil one, which conveys that life, even as Christians, can be difficult. That there are going to be challenges. And I know, I realize, that's a far cry from, from what we really want. And, and, and I know this because of all this going on in our country right now. And, and, and people, man, they're frustrated and they're angry and they're upset because life is not easy right now. But isn't that what we want? We want life to, to be easy. But even for us as Christians... There are going to be times when it's not. James says, when trials come. He doesn't say if, but when. In other words, it's going to happen. We're going to face trials. Dave Drabecki, who pitched for the Giants back in the 80s, came down with cancer in his pitching arm. His left arm had to be amputated. And... For several years, I mean, he just, I don't know the best way to describe it, I mean, he just handled it well. He, he really did. And, and it was to the point to where people finally began to ask him, how, how are you dealing with this so well? I mean, you're a pitcher. You lost your, your pitching arm. It took you out of the game. And this is what he said. God has taught me something over the last couple of years. He taught me, if you've ever been on a mountaintop, you never find fresh vegetation there. He said the lush vegetation is always down in the valley. And he said, you know why? Because that's where the soil is the most fertile 
And that's where the most growth takes place. And so Dave Dravecki goes on to say, the rough terrain, walking through the valley, actually deepened me. But the question is, how do we get through the valleys? With Jesus. Is Jesus as our guide and and our strength, also our brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the things I love is, is, is seeing people out here in the foyer talking and some of the things you'll hear them say as I'm praying for you. If there's anything that we can do for you, you'll see it on our church Facebook page. As soon as somebody puts out there, I'm going through this, or my family member's going through this, people are they're sending up prayers and say, is there anything that we can do? Also, God's Word, I mean, there's so many passages in here that are so encouraging that pick us up and, and just pours encouragement and strength into us that gets us up and keeps us going even when we face hard times. But we need to understand it's going to happen. Even as a Christian, we face those hard times and we need to be prepared. But then also, here's our last tip, trust your God. And I'm, I'm done. Trust your God. John continually points these new Christians back to the example of Jesus. He's the one we've got to follow. Going back to the passage I read at the beginning, 1 John chapter, chapter 6 says, Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. There's an awesome word for Jesus in the New Testament. In the Greek, and I'm... I'm going to butcher this because I'm not good at rolling Mars and all that kind of stuff, but it's um, <laughs> that word. How about I just do that? That word in the Greek, and it means the one who has gone before. Thank you. And I would encourage us to think of Jesus that way. Jesus has gone before us. He lived the perfect life. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way. And so we should confidently follow Him. We follow Him together. This morning, I want to challenge you to ask yourself, is there any area of my life that doesn't line up with the life of Jesus? Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's sin. Jesus knew no sin. He was tempted like everyone else, but He didn't give in to it. And, and maybe there's some sin that you're, you're living in, and, and that only separates us. John talked about that. Sin separates us from God it breaks our fellowship with God and it breaks our fellowship with others. And, and so there may be some sin that you're living in and there may be some other area of your life right now, but I would encourage you to evaluate your life and just line it up with Jesus. Am I living and am I walking for Him? This morning, it may be that you are ready to give your life to Jesus. Again, He's the answer. And if you would love to know more about Him, we would love to study with you. 
Um, I will meet with you personally. You can contact me on, online. Some of you are probably wondering why we're not doing an invitation um, right now. I will tell you that at my brother's congregation, they haven't met for the last three weeks. A person came up who responded. Everyone from the church came up and hugged the individual and come to find out him and his wife had the coronavirus and now it's spread throughout the church. And people have been hospitalized and um, it's, it's been a really tough situation uh, for the congregation at Vero where my brother preaches. But listen, I will meet with you. I will talk with you. I will pray with you. I'd love to tell you more about Jesus and how you can live for Him. But if you have a need and you um, need to respond for prayer, we would love to pray for you right now. We're going to go ahead and pray and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. God, I know